BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Neverland is brought to you by MyPodcastReviews.com. Check our affiliate link right there in the show notes or on our website, to go and join an account. If you happen to have a podcast and you want to see your reviews you get from around the world, from every different possible place that someone could be listening and reviewing your podcast, you need to create an account. It's very inexpensive, very affordable. MyPodcastReviews.com. They'll even help you create a link where people can review your podcast very easily that you can put right into your show notes. Once again, MyPodcastReviews.com. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. All this has happened before. Hey kids, Townsend Coleman here, the voice of Michelangelo from the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Tom Kane, this is the voice of Yoda on Star Wars. Hey yo, it's Wokebat, and a big yee-haw to you all. I used to be Luke Duke. Hi, my name is Oli Shoshan. I play Jedi Master Shakti. Hi, Butch Patrick here, Eddie Munster. Hi, this is Jim. Hi, this is Bill Farmer. You're listening to the Neverland Podcast. Welcome to Neverland, to Disney and beyond. And it will all happen again. And now your head lost boy, the Spider Pan. Walk on the eyes of East Pan. Jeremy. Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders, and sprinkle some of that pixie dust around. Think up that happiest thought. And we're going to fly away to Neverland where. We never grow up, and we're going to remember all the things we loved as kids, whether it's Disney or not, because it makes us feel good and happy, and that's what this show is about. That's what it started Yay! as, and that's where we're getting back to. I'm having some Disney issues, and <laughs> so I'm gonna we're going to be focusing on, you know what, and we've done this anyway the whole time, you know, it's to Disney and beyond. We've always gone beyond to everything that we love. Uh, I've, I've got a new term that's been coined for me i didn't come up with this but it's multi-passionate it's for those people like me that i'm not so niched down that where disney is my everything i love so many different things so much equally that i'm kind of multi-passionate this is also what causes me to be a polygamous gamer where i can end up playing multiple different video games at the same time it happens so we will be going a lot of outside disney and probably a bit more so and i guess i'll go ahead and preface that of why i've got some issues um I don't want to mention names, but so basically he's kind of a friend of a friend. I have played Among Us with this guy who works as an Imagineer. Weekly, they have to go into, well, I guess it's like a diversity, quote unquote, diversity training 
uh, weekly. And the primary objective of this class appears to be to tell him that he's racist because he's white. Which to me is textbook racism. Textbook racism is the, the figuring your color or whatever your genetics is superior or somebody else's is inferior based upon their color. And it is a completely against what Martin Luther King said where we're judging people by the content of their character. And Disney is now preaching this at their employees. I'm not liking that. I'm having some problems with the company here lately. But I still love vintage Disney, and I still love Mickey Mouse, and I still love Walt Disney, and I still want to go back to the parks. But that, when that, when that, this was told to me, I was pretty upset about that. That is basically Disney teaching racism. Well, speaking of Disney issues, I was going to go back and grab a couple of my Disney magazine issues, but uh, I guess I won't today. <laughs> okay. Was there something special in those? Oh no! I just love the old Disney magazine. In fact, uh, oh, the old ones, Disney yeah. Adventures. You know, that yes. was fun too. You know, I never got to have any of those because I never had money to get them at a checkout counter, and Mom wasn't going to buy me those. I didn't get an allowance. Well, never did I. But uh, we talked about that uh, multi uh, uh, multi fandom. You know, yeah. one of the things multi passion because there's there's it's, there everybody's a fan of a lot of different things, but it's having that passion for it that's different, and that's there are people like that, but most people are not passionate about multiple things. They're fans of multiple things, maybe, but they're not necessarily passionate about different things, and that's well, makes it makes it a challenge when you're in when podcast they tell you to niche down, niche down, niche down. I've never been able to do that because something else comes along that I'm super excited about that I have to talk about. Mm-hmm. So, well, I was I was just going to say if I could grab some of those old Disney Adventures uh, magazines, you know, one of the things that I enjoyed is that they didn't look at just Disney related stuff, but they ended up having a uh, series of uh, Bone. Oh, it's all blurry on your camera. That, oh no! That's you got your background, background blur turned on. But Bone but, uh, comics. That was one of the things. Yeah, that was one of the things that they included in the old Disney adventures and they actually had comics in there that weren't part of the regular release schedule for bones. So you would get a little bit of an adventure with the bone cousins. That wasn't part of the bone series. And I haven't read a whole lot of bone, but what I have seen, I like it's fun. It's cute. Well, that great big brick that I was just holding up is a wonderful, uh, it's the entire series in a single volume. I think it's something like, $40, $40, and um, it, it's got all 55 issues and then some in it. Uh, if, if you ever want to get start reading Bone by uh, Jeff Smith, that is, that, that's it. That, that's the, <laughs> the tome to go with. So it looks about like the size of the book of the collection I bought from Dark Horse, where it was all the Masters of the Universe mini comics from the original toys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phillips got that from me. I managed to read the entire thing. It had all the original mini comics. It had the new adventures when they put them in space. Uh, I think it even had yeah, it had the newer comics where they the 2000 series, and then it even had the Shira Princess of Power little mini comics, which were entirely different from what the animated series was. And the animated series was much better. <laughs> I will I'll, say. I'll tell you if 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 I took this and I held it up against my copy of the Lord of the Rings, which is all three books combined into one edition. This one's bigger. <laughs> yeah, that's the way that Master Universe big <laughs> book is. It, is. it is something you can't sit and read on the toilet, okay? You have to sit it on a table. <laughs> it, it is not a toilet reader. It is a sit at a coffee table and read it. 
So have have you been reading anything new? Anything new or different or fun or? Well, I haven't gotten to read anything because I am I'm like super busy. I have started an additional bit of part time work, and this is pretty exciting. So yeah, because uh, I as as it is, I've been working three hours a day. Uh, I'm back at the radio station that I started at. Uh, you know, actually, technically, I would be there like two years, except for the gap where I was furloughed and then let go because of COVID. But I am back there again, but it's only three hours a day. So I was like, okay, I need some additional part-time work. And I've actually got in with a company called uh, Total Traffic Network that is a division mm-hmm. of iHeartMedia, which ah, is there you pretty go. awesome. Uh, and basically yeah. what that means is I'm doing traffic reports here. Uh, I think I'm going to mainly be doing it in like the afternoon. Right now I'm still kind of getting some training. But uh, hopefully between two part-time jobs I can balance them into what would be full-time the difference is, is I'm not really going to be getting any benefits or anything out of either one because they're both part-time, but I'm still working. There you so, go. <laughs> that's you go. the important that's thing. Positive. <laughs> yeah, and I uh, I got to try out doing some traffic produ- producer. We have a kind of a producer role, which normally you would be producing it. And I'm going to move your window so I'm actually looking at you when I'm looking at the camera. Oh. Uh, so that way I look, I'm looking right at you. <laughs> By the way, y'all, if you want to see video of this, you have to join our Patreon. That's where I put our videos and when we record this. Uh, so, but I, uh, basically you normally you would produce and you would record it at the same time, but since I'm, I'm learning, I'm getting to do the producing side first. Now, what we do is producing is we have something in Kansas city. It's the KC scout cam. And it's where we have cameras all over our major interstates and highways, you know, and they will put up an alert when they spot something from the major, I think our taxpayer money pays for this, and uh, I think there's some hired people. So when they see a stalled vehicle, they see an accident or something, they put a little flag on this map that I'm looking at. And then I can find, you know, the the, the little icon on the map will tell me that it's, uh, it's on 435 around Front Street, let's say. Mm-hmm. I will find a camera nearby there, and I can click on that camera, and I can look and see what that camera is seeing, so I can see exactly what it is. So then I can go into to the company program, and I say, in the northbound lanes of the inner loop of 435, car on the right shoulder is stalled, upload it, and then it's got a timer, so like every 15 minutes, we'll check on it to see if the, st- the car is still there. And of course, we have a section of construction things, but you know, so basically, I'm updating that, and right now, somebody else is going to be presenting it on air. But as I get ah. fully trained, I'll be presenting my own stuff on air and have my own shift to work for various radio stations, you know, that we work with. Because iHeartMedia is you know, a big company. Even the radio station I work at in the morning, we, you know, we are carried on iHeartRadio. They actually advertise right. with us, so it's pretty cool. So, so. but. You're not you're not going to have the opportunity though to be Arnie Pie in the sky and ride around in the helicopter and. <laughs> well, you know, if I got up there, I've already. I think in a previous episode I mentioned I realized I'm less Nessman. Uh, I'd probably get up and start dropping turkeys <laughs> on people. It's probably not a good idea. Well, I'll let you know right now. Turkeys cannot fly. Yes, <laughs> Scott is my <laughs> witness. Uh, which you know that that does actually remind me of, of a fun story we had. Um, uh, I think they might have been both Air Force. I don't know, but they're both military. These two guys, they came in uh, to this to the radio station to talk about an upcoming event. There's an air show going on north mm-hmm. of where I'm at. And uh, one of my coworkers, uh, the program director there, was telling me that he at one year when he was going to talk to these guys, so this, I forgot what the name of the team is, like the, it's the, the Black Knights or something. So the Blue Angels? or No, oh. these are people who they dive out of the planes. They do the skydiving oh. stuff. And uh, the program director got to go up with them into their jet to sit up there for, for like a practice for them to go and mm-hmm. dive out. 
uh, him and uh, and I think there was a woman who was with one of our other stations because we're, we're we're like we're two locations really for the company. Right. I don't know how long ago this was, but I mean, how cool would that be to get to go up there? Although uh, when they opened the doors, apparently it was very very cold suddenly. Oh yeah. So I'm like, I can imagine. <laughs> but to be up there, like you know, being in like a military style jet, you know, where people could dive out of, it would be kind of cool. So I've only ever been up in a commercial airplane. <laughs> well, it's unfortunate it wasn't the flying L vibe, but I'm sure it was quite the experience for for him to enjoy. Oh yeah, he really thought it was cool, and I would have gotten a kick out of it too. I'm trying to convince Heather that it's a free air show because they want to just show, hey, this is what your tax dollars pay for. So I would like to go, but Heather doesn't want to go. So I'm like, well, I don't, I'm not going to go by myself. So I got to figure out, you know, what I'm going to do, you know, because <laughs> it's next Saturday. I want to go because uh, I believe the the Blue Angels are going to be there, and those are always fun. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's flying. It's cool stuff. So uh, we'll move it on to, well, like you've been reading anything else good while we're talking about books? You know, I just started a, a series that's new to me. It's been out for a long time, but I've got a good friend who keeps saying, Eric, you got to read it. You got to read it. Um, and it is the Magic Kingdom of Landover series by Terry Brooks. Oh, Terry, now, Brooks. Terry Brooks is yeah, better known as, you know, for for the Shannara series. Um, which are, you know, great series of books, which unfortunately I stopped reading quite some time ago, but he's really expanded, uh, the world since I last read it. But no, my friend was saying, Eric, you gotta read this. It's really good. I promise you, if you read it, you'll start enjoying it and you'll get into it. And I've had the book for, oh, a couple of weeks now. And I think I, I just made it through the first chapter, which is about 15 <laughs> pages, but I am working on it. And, uh, you know, so far, what I've read is good. It's uh, the the premise is that uh, this guy whose wife passed away the year prior is is very, uh, you know, he he he's listless. He doesn't know what he's going to do next, and he gets a uh, catalog in the mail uh, that's got all of these high end Christmas gifts. You know, like maybe it's a it, it's not just buy a Porsche. It's like buy a house that comes with a Porsche in it. Hmm. Or, you know, take this fabulous vacation anywhere. However, what catches his eye is an advertisement for buy your own magical kingdom. Oh, cool. <laughs> and it's 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 a whole fairy tale kingdom. And so, uh, you know, it, it I'm just barely getting into it uh, where, you know, he's gotten that far in the story. And I'm excited to see what's happened next. But, you know, my friend was just so eager that I read this series um, I actually got the first four books at a at a local used bookstore, so uh, I've got a lot of reading <laughs> set up here for me yeah. in the next little while. But I'm I'm really excited about it. I got a lot of reading, and I just never seem to get to. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's that's my my issue. <laughs> I'm gonna hop ahead and hop back on our our plan on this because since we're talking about books, let me just dive into something I found at uh, I okay. believe yeah Walmart at a Walmart. The unofficial Disney Parks cookbook. Now, I know that there's probably a ton of these, uh, but this uh, I need to look up because I I recently found a Hogwarts cookbook where it has like Mm -hmm. all the different dishes you hear about in the Harry Potter books. Because a lot of them are real things. Uh, Mm -hmm. And if you've ever been curious what some of that stuff tastes like, then even bouillabaisse, they even have the recipe for that in that book. Uh, And but it's also got some of the inventive things like pumpkin juice. It actually, you know, Mm -hmm. the the person came up with recipe. And this is very similar in format. So I wonder if it's the same author, but it's actually craft. 
But it says, from delicious Dole Whip to tasty Mickey pretzels, 100 magical Disney-inspired recipes. And this book is neat. The only problem I have with it is I would like it sorted by main dishes, snacks, and stuff like that so I can find. But instead, it is sorted into where you would find these particular okay. items. So there's like, there's here's the Fantasyland section or whatever. Here's, here's Disneyland. Here's Animal Kingdom. But it's got a lot of stuff. Uh, it does mention the, the Dole Whip, of course, is made with like a, a powdered mix. But it does have a recipe mm-hmm. for Dole Whip. Um, I'd have to dig around to try to find it. But that what's, what makes it funny is it's even, I didn't realize, like in Fantasyland, they have a stuff, the gray stuff. Yes, recipe they do. In here. The gray stuff. I'm going to have to it try it. Delicious. because Yeah, I hear, I hear that. Uh, but it even has ideas of how you can set up some Mickey Mouse uh, cookie cutters because it does encourage Mickey Mouse cookie cutters when you make cookies. Uh, I was actually this evening planning on making some cheeseburger spring rolls and pizza spring rolls. Oh, uh, there you go. But we didn't get around to getting it rolling, but I did buy the uh, spring roll wraps uh, I've never worked with before. But I'm going to get a little inventive because, you know, I figure, okay, it's a pizza spring roll and it has certain things like, you know, mozzarella cheese, pepperoni slices and stuff on there. But I thought, well, why stop at pepperoni slices? I got maybe some little bits of ham for some Canadian bacon, a little bit of mm-hmm. hamburger, you know. And you can play with this idea. So I'm going to get oh, a little yeah. inventive with this and try some things out. That and my Hogwarts you know, book. One, there you go. You know, one of the things that I really like at Disney World, which I shouldn't eat that much of anymore, is a spring roll-based dessert. You know, but instead of your savory stuff that you get in a normal spring roll, what this has is a pineapple filling it's not the dole whip but uh it's kind of a pineapple cream cheese mixture that they sell at pandora Ooh, i wonder if it's and so it's and so it's advertised as a uh a pandoran delicacy called uh uh lumpia now i know lumpia is also the name of the actual food here Uh, on earth pangu lumpia that is it, and it is very yeah. good. Cream cheese, twenty ounce can of pineapple chunks, packed in juice, drained. <laughs> Half a it. cup of granulated sugar. Woo! Yeah, that's why I can't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Three cups of vegetable oil for frying. So you got to fry these things up too. Yep. One large yep. egg, one teaspoon room temperature water, ten egg roll wrappers, eight ounces of cream cheese, and then the twenty ounce can of pineapple chunks yields ten rolls. Well, if you consider 10 rolls with a half cup of the sugar, then, of course, that pineapple juice is going to get you, too. Yeah. It it wouldn't be as much sugar as the 10 grams, but yeah. Well, you know, at at, at a park, you're you're definitely working those calories off. That's true. That's true. You get your walking in, you take your walks, and you do your stalks. I don't know. (laughs) Well, so I imagine that that's also got the ultimate Disney dish in it. The Monte Cristo sandwich from Club Thirty Three, or not Club Thirty Three, but the Blue Bayou Cafe. Blue Bayou. I'm I'm going to presume it is in here. I think I did see it, but really, a Monte Cristo. It's not super complicated. Ooh, right, it's on giant cinnamon rolls. Heck yeah, which are extremely good. I'll bet it's a cinnamon roll. How is it not going to be good? Mm-hmm. Oh, here's the gray stuff. You can put That's it on delicious. shortbread cookies. You can even put it on red velvet cake. See, one cup salted butter softened, a half cup plus two tablespoons granulated sugar, divided. Divided? How do you divide sugar? Sit there every grain. (laughs) One grain over here, one grain over there. Uh, Two teaspoons vanilla extract and two cups all-purpose flour. Basically, it sounds like an icing. 
Yes, it is. It, it's very much. Um, you know, the closest thing that I can compare it with, which still isn't really a good comparison, is Oreo cream. Ooh. It's the, and now I'm thinking of that Weird Al Yankovic parody song, oh, oh, Oreo, or whatever, you know. I like the white What's stuff. What's in the middle? The white stuff. Yep, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, lots of recipes. Is I, I thought, it, you know, I need to make sure I'm eating more at home. So I thought if I got some good recipes, that would be fun to make. The unfortunate thing is these Disney ones are about all of them are super sugary and yeah. really not healthy. <laughs> the Hogwarts, though, had some stuff that would actually be recipe. It's just a lot of English style dishes that I've never tried right. before that I thought would be fun. I just have to remember when they say it's going to be biscuits, it's really a cookie. Right. <laughs> but uh, what have you been watching on Disney Plus? Well, I know I've been, I did watch half an episode of the the, the new, uh, the Mighty Ducks. I'm going to sit and watch that. I've mm-hmm. so far, I've been liking it, uh, the first half of it. But I realized I haven't seen all three Mighty Ducks movies, but I don't think it matters. I think you, you know, can get if, into this. You've, if you've seen the first Mighty Ducks movie, I think you're good. Yeah, I think you've seen all three if you've seen the first one. <laughs> I, I have seen all three. In fact, we, my, my son, knowing that there was a series, wanted to make sure he sat down and watched all three. Uh, he's also done the same for Cobra Kai. He has not seen the next Karate Kid. But yeah, I can anyhow. skip that one. That, that movie does but, not exist. Uh, that is like Kingdom <laughs> of the Crystal Skull. It is only a rumor. But uh, I definitely... It does build off of the Mighty Ducks series. You know, obviously, it's got Emilio Estevez, Emilio, um, <laughs> in it, uh, portraying Gordon Bombay. And I haven't—I've only seen the first episode. I haven't been—I haven't been able to spare the time to watch the rest. Yeah. But uh, you know, it is the same character, and it's it, yeah. You know, I, I am intrigued to find out how he got to where he is in this series. Yeah. Well, I can see how, how he would be bitter considering it looks like he's no longer in control of the team and the mighty ducks have become the institution that he fought against. Mm-hmm. Not to spoil it or anything in the first episode, y'all, but it was, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's very, very kid level fun from what yes. I saw the first half. So I, I think I'm going to be able to sit and watch it. But right now when I'm, when I'm sitting down to watch Disney plus, usually when I'm sitting down to eat some dinner, I'm still turning on the Muppet show. I can't help it. It's the Muppet well, Show. At, at least it's not um, High School Musical, the musical, the series, season two. Oh, no. They really got a season two. Uh, there is a season two on its way. But uh, let's see. As, as far as what I've been watching on uh, uh, on Disney Plus has been uh, their series about the Animal Kingdom. In which they go through and you get uh, you meet different animals that are at the animal kingdom or at epcot in the living seas and uh you get to learn their stories and mm-hmm. the care that is provided to them and you know a lot of good stories there and in fact uh you know i have seen some of those animals as you know we've been at the parks and as yeah. we've you know got to and you know there, there was one, uh, one ride that we took on animal kingdom safari uh, or kilimanjaro safari i'm sorry where uh the uh, driver of our vehicle made sure to point out at every possible opportunity as seen on our new series on Disney <laughs> Plus. This animal is available and you can watch them on our new series on Disney Plus. And by the way, this animal is also on our oh new series on Disney Plus. So <sighs> it's, uh, <laughs> it is what it is. But, uh, 
you know, the Muppet Show, I can't get enough of that. I've yeah. been going back through and rewatching the episodes that are not on the three se- uh, three seasons mm-hmm. that were released. Um, you know, I've, uh, you know, my queue is quite long uh, for everything <laughs> yeah. that I do want to watch. Uh, and of course, we've got a new series starting up week after next um that i'm going to be interested in watching i don't know about you but uh you know it's kind of a bad series oh the bad batch kevin May- oh my gosh it's almost my fourth isn't it yes oh, oh. yes i am super excited for- and then when bad batch is about done I mean, we got that loki series coming i'm still super exactly. stoked for that so lots of good things on that- there. oh yeah well and we've still got several marvel movies coming this year yeah um Black so Widow was supposed to have been in March, but I guess it got pushed again. Yeah, it's uh, going to be in June. <sighs> They're going to uh, keep we've making me wait. Eternals coming up. We've got uh, Spider-Man No Way Home coming up. Um, yeah. Which, uh, I'm going to pull something that was going to be up for news later. I actually just found this out. The Spider-Man 90s animated series apparently has been pulled from Disney+. Plus. But we think it might be temporary. They might be trying to put things in the proper order and fix it, and it'll probably be back. So I'm hoping that's the case because I I want to be able to watch that some more because it's well, not av- we, it's not available for purchase anywhere in the United States. Well, it's always good to have Prince Eric Peter Parker. That's right, Christopher Daniel <laughs> Barnes. Which it would be fun to have him on the show, but I don't think I would ever get him because he's he's focused on that. He's got some very artistic pursuits. I think I've even seen where he's got some paintings and stuff. He's oh, he's wow. very multi talented, that dude. So, well, we we do have another into the spider. We know he can sing though too. Yeah, that's Flowers true. That's never true. cried before or whatever the song in the Brady Bunch movie. <laughs> he was good in that one. Uh, but while we're talking some Disney Plus, so obviously, okay, so we're not going to do a full review on it, not till the end of the show. I'm going to warn you now, at the end of the show, we're going to spoil the heck out of this. But Falcon and the Winter Soldier has wrapped up, and I got a couple more character profiles that I wanted to talk about, uh, mainly because this was, and I remember, the unfortunate thing about not waking up in the middle of the night to watch it is, by the time I've looked on Facebook, somebody has posted pictures and I swear, and I work morning radio, so I get a chance to really, I come home and I can watch it, you know, that afternoon. But mm-hmm. we've got to meet Contessa Valentina Allegra de la Fontaine, played by Julia Louise Dreyfus in the series, which Marvel fans will reckon her, uh, recognize her as being Madame Hydra. Yep. Which makes me wonder. Because uh, <laughs> I... They... <laughs> This the series really could kind of have wrapped itself, but it seems like at the end of the series, and I'm not going to say anything, they retitled the series, so maybe we could get another season because they set up a lot of characters here by the end of it, I must say. So I think we could get some more because we could see her becoming Madame Hydra, and uh, she's up to something, and I, I that's all I can say until we get to the end of the show and you have the chance to skip the rest. I don't trust her. I think she's up to no good because she's Madame Hydra. But a uh, little bit of the history here. It uh, This is directly from Marvel's fandom Wikipedia. It says, Little has been revealed about the past of the Contessa Valentina Allegra de la Fontaine. She and her parents were sleeper agents for Leviathan inside the Italian anti-communism movement. 
Unaware of this, Dum Dum Dugan recruited her, formerly a member of the European Jet Set, the Contessa sought a more serious role in life, and eventually entered a training program to become an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., the International Intelligence and Law Enforcement Agency. She first encountered Nick Fury, the public director of S.H.I.E.L.D., towards the end of her training, when she impressed him by overpowering him in hand-to-hand combat. Uh, she's very, very skilled, and she's got a long history. Let's see if I can find the specifics of when she became uh, Madame Hydra. I should have looked this on there. Uh, but she was has had some loyalty to Nick Fury, which is very interesting. Um, some extreme loyalty to him. Yes. So I I don't know how they're going to... Because really, in these series, these Marvel series, they've kind of reinvented. Like, Agatha Harkness was kind of reinvented to be more of an antagonist than she would normally be. Uh, but it made it very interesting. Uh, but yeah, she is known as being Madame Hydra. So, but you know, having some loyalty to Nick Fury, you know, it's it's hard to say what she could do in a live action series uh, of what we could expect of her. Mm-hmm. Really, don't and know. That was but... Actually, well, I was just going to say that was back in Secret Warriors number six is where that was revealed that she was Madame Hydra. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, here we go. The Contessa secretly joined Hydra, taking the identity of Madame Hydra. She manipulated Hydra into taking a powerful artifact from the Silver Samurai. She then betrayed Hydra to the shadowy Leviathan, nearly killing Viper, which we all might remember Viper from one of those Wolverine movies. They had Viper in there. Uh, Plus, also animated series, Vipers popped up. Anyways, but working with Megadan, she awakened Orion and a veritable army of Leviathan soldiers. This led to a war between the two organizations. Having been discovered to have been a Russian sleeper agent throughout her career with S.H.I.E.L.D. as well, following the end of this conflict, the Contessa surrendered herself to Interpol and was last seen in prison. So, she has been, yes, Madam Hydra, but she's also... so. She sits somewhere in that middle. We don't know. She could be good. She could be bad. I have a feeling she's up to something, but we don't know what. But I'm I'm anxious to see where they go with this. Yeah, I uh, I have a feeling that if she's not working on her own with a larger, sinister organization, she might be an envoy for a certain general who's been seen in the uh, MCU previously. Oh, now I'm trying to think. One who might want to call a, a team of heroes after himself. Oh, my brain's going blank. A General Thaddeus Ross. Oh, indeed. Yeah, we haven't seen him in a while, have we? Because th- uh, we we saw him in Infinity War. Yeah, I think it's the last time we saw him. It's, it seems like it's a bit long, long, long. Cause yeah, he wasn't. We was like we saw an hologram of him, but we didn't really see him. Mm-hmm. But it was nice well, to see him and, pop and, back. Well, and he will be in Black Widow, but... Uh, oh, he is? Yes. But yeah, because... So we'll definitely be seeing him soon. He organized a version of... Uh, well, there's I know there's Agents of Smash cartoon, but didn't he put together a version of the Thunderbolts? If I'm yes. thinking correctly, yes. And yes. Uh, I even remember seeing a Thunderbolt scene that had Baron Zemo as a part of it once. So, maybe? Or at the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You never know. You never know. Uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about the power broker? About the power broker, I would certainly appreciate that opportunity. Give me just one moment here to get it pulled up. I apologize for not having that ready. Now, the power broker is a businessman who gave superpowers to people in exchange for seventy percent of the earnings they made using those abilities. 
Now, uh, he invested in a mobile app called Hench, which was used to uh, allow businessmen and other people of power to hire the service of a reliable supervillain quickly. So instead of uh, getting an Uber, you could get a Hench. (laughs) Yeah. Come and do your dirty work for you. Yeah, and I must say, the... um... The end of the episode there seemed to really lean this direction. <laughs> yeah, definitely uh, definitely something. Although I've got my own suspicions as to what might be going on there. Uh, however, the power broker's real name, we don't know it. All he ever has gone by is the power broker. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to uh, see how this progresses within the MCU. Yep. Although... Uh... We will say that, you know, in this in the uh, series, you will know who the power broker is. <laughs> yes, yes, they they do make it clear. They made it very clear as if you hadn't probably figured it out by the time they make the reveal. Uh, you're probably right. were already thinking about who it was. <laughs> but as I, I was just. And I, I don't think this is a spoiler because this was a few episodes ago. I was just happy that they've included Madripoor even in the MCU now. Like, ooh, Madripoor. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. We've, we've expanded the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, so I, I must say I did yep. appreciate that. But anyways, in the what have you been doing, what have you been playing? And I realize I only listed one thing on what have you been playing, but I'm going to take this opportunity to say I have launched a new YouTube channel. For the last two weeks, I was doing a daily video. I missed it today. Uh, the Neverland Gaming official channel. And on that channel, I've been playing... Star Wars Republic Commando. The By the way, the Marvel Avengers game that Square, uh, Squaresoft, Square Enix, I keep wanting to call them Squaresoft from back in the day. I'm that old. Uh, that, that, that they put out actually earlier, I guess it was last year now. It is available through a the PlayScription subscription service PlayStation Now for like a total of 90 days. So you can play it for free. I recommended it as a budget camera. So I have kind of been playing that. So, me being the polygamous gamer that I am, and sometimes I just don't finish some things, I was playing Red Dead Redemption 2, but then I hopped over to play Republic Commando, and then I hopped over to play Avengers. But I I have finished Republic Commando because that game was actually pretty short, but it was fun. And I will be putting up some video of that entire playthrough. But Republic Commando was tough. It is a squad-based shooter. Uh, The weird thing is, uh, the only character you're playing at is voiced as, and I can never say his name right, but the original actor who played uh, Django Fett, is voicing your guy. But the other commandos in your squad. The what? Timura Morrison? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you said it right. (laughs) I don't want to butcher his name. I am terrible at those sort of things. I really am. But uh, having his, it's kind of weird because you expect to hear his voice on all the clones, but it is neat to have different voices for different characters so you know who's talking. Uh, But it is cool that he is voicing your main character. But uh, it's a squad-based first-person shooter. Uh, it reminded me a lot of a Halo game because you had shielding on your armor, but when that sh- the shielding's down, you start taking physical damage. And you had all these different weird aliens, you know, a lot of Trandoshans. And a lot of the story of it is on Kashyyyk, you're trying to get some Trandoshan slavers off of Kashyyyk because, of course, they're trying to enslave the Wookiees. So you're, like, joining the Wookiees and starting a rebellion against the Trandoshans and taking back the planet. So it was pretty cool. But also, yeah, I spent a good chunk of the game also... There's like this behind the scenes battle of what's going on to the Battle of Geonosis, where your squad is actually doing things underneath. Uh, so there's like three major kind of sections of story. But overall, compared to what I'm used to now with modern games, it was it was short, but it was fun and it was intense. Have you ever played this one? 
I have not, but uh, seeing as how that's available, I may need to go out and uh, track it down whenever I get uh, the ability to control the big TV. <laughs> yeah, because it is available. I think uh, all systems now have it available digitally. Uh, I already own a copy on Steam, but it is the old PC version, and I found that uh, my computer runs it too fast. I could not get my mouse to not fly everywhere, so now that's available on like PlayStation and stuff, I got it there. Plus, I'm better with a controller than I am a mouse sometimes anyway. But uh, yeah, I definitely recommend it. It's not expensive either, because it is an older game, but it's a lot of fun. It's not canon, oh, yeah. but it's fun. <laughs> and it's Star Wars, so. Well, I've been playing with canons in my games. What have you been playing? Uh, I actually, uh, I, I got a brand new, well, not a, a new-to-me computer uh, for my birthday this year. And uh, I decided, you know what? I've been wanting to play Planet Coaster for quite some time. Oh, I have indeed. been a fan of um, Roller Coaster Tycoon from way back in the 90s. That makes me feel extremely old to have to say <laughs> that. But I remember buying the original game. In fact, I even had the original Disney Coaster. Uh, way back then, in wow. which you know you could build uh, coasters, and uh, you could actually see representations of like Space Mountain, and but no, I love the roller coaster tycoon because yeah, you do get the opportunity to build your own roller coasters and try and manage this theme park. Um, roller coaster tycoon three was too powerful for anything I had, mm. so I didn't have a chance to really explore that or anything up until now. Planet Coaster is, you know, created by the same people who handled Roller Coaster Tycoon 3. And it does bring you back into this uh, virtual world of operating and building theme parks. And, uh, and one people of the... get creative. If you look on YouTube, for... oh, oh, there's people who made dark rides that are amazing. Oh, yeah. It's it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, so what what I'm, I'm still at the very beginning stages. I'm still on my first park, which happens to be a pirate theme park. Yep. <laughs> and you cannot have a pirate park without cannons going off. So yep. made sure to get myself some cannons. Yeah. The funny thing is right when I was trying to learn how to play it and, and they have some good YouTube videos that the, the manufacturers have made to try to teach you how some of the things work. But as I was learning to play Planet Coaster, I got sidetracked by other games because I'm a polygamous gamer. I'm multi-passionate because I want to, I want to create stuff on, on uh, Planet Coaster, but you, you have to start getting good at the fundamentals of the game before you can really get creative. Kind of like Disney infinity. You have to get, yeah, really inventive. In fact, I even picked up. Uh, I've I've been seeing this stuff a long time now. It's called Dreams on the PS4, where you can oh, yes. create your own games. And I was trying to learn that as well to see if I could create something. But I don't know what I want to create. And uh, right now, I've been playing with other people have made, and there are people who have made like virtual Disney rides on Dreams as well, which is kind of what I would probably do. <laughs> like I'm playing a coaster, you know, I'm going to try to make a haunted mansion. <laughs> And I have seen they have all the equipment. The thing is, Planet Coaster, they're being pretty smart because you can buy the basic game and play it. But then there's all these add-ons that's like, oh, you wanted mm -hmm. to make a scary ride? Well, here's all the spooky stuff. That'll be $10. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, You want to make a Ghostbusters ride? Here's a pack with just Ghostbusters stuff. Uh, yeah. But I have seen where some people have managed to get like audio clips and video clips from different movies. There's somebody who made a ride based on Aliens. But uh, I figure you can do that on the PC. You're not going to do it on the console version because you can't get no. it in there. But the PC, no. if you've got the clips, apparently you can work it in there. Yeah. 
So the other but, thing I've been playing. But th- oh, no, go ahead. OK, I was just gonna say that that's pretty much been my focus lately. Yeah, I'll have to play that with you if we can if we figured it out. So but another thing you might be able to play with me if you ever get the switch away from your kids. Animal Crossing. I just started this. I did something that Dave Ramsey would smack my hand over. Uh, okay, because, all right, everybody knows what's going on if you've been listening to the show long enough. Uh, I got my tax return, and part of my plan with the tax return is we always like to do something fun, and I was going to go and, with cash, get my wife her own Switch because she kept wanting to play Stardew Valley uh, on there, and I was trying to play Breath of the Wild, and I thought, you know what would be nice if she had her own because, you know, over the summer during our furloughed, I... While I was playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, I was seeing all these videos of Animal Crossing New Horizons. So, like, this looks like just simple, nice fun. And I thought my wife would enjoy playing that, but I wanted to play with her. So, since I no longer had the cash because I had to pour it into my car, and now I've got... Oh, by the way, a little update on my house for anyone who has also been paying attention. Uh, it's actually I a, a great relief. It's only going to be probably about, like, $950 for my part of the deductible. I thought it was going to be thousands of dollars to repair my home. Uh, and I should be able to work out some payments. So I think it's going to be okay. Um, but so I didn't I didn't really have the money like I wanted to to go and just get something fun. So I used my Nebraska Furniture Mark charge card and I ordered my wife her own copy of uh, Animal Crossing and her own Switch. And my, I got myself a copy of Animal Crossing. Plus, I got her a copy of the new Mario Kart 8. Uh, turns out I had to buy her her own copy of Stardew Valley for her to be able to play, but I was able to transfer her account over to her Switch. But now she's got a Switch, I got a Switch, we were able to play games together, and we started playing Animal Crossing over the weekend, and it is becoming an obsession, except for eventually you kind of run out of things to do. <laughs> well, you know, that's it, it, it's a game where every day you come back, it gives you something to do, mm-hmm. more to collect, more right. to buy, and get you further in debt with Tom Nook. Yeah, but once you've hit a certain point in the day, you, you have to come back tomorrow because your storage is full, your pockets are full. I can't collect anything else. And I run into that because I was waiting for my museum to get completed, which my museum was finally completed today. So I went to my house storage and I was loading my pockets, running over to the little Al uh, Blathers and Blathers, saying, yes. here, I have this and this and this and this. While you were building a museum, I have been collecting so many things. And it's, you know, I... There's a there's a part of the game where you can go to sleep and you can dream and you can visit other people's islands that have shared and they've made complete little town communities out of it. I kind of like it having it in a nice forest because I like going collecting bugs, going fishing, going swimming in the ocean. It's like my own private island paradise that I get to play and do whatever I want in and catching mm-hmm. bugs, catching fish. Ah, oh, my! it is. It is just. And the thing is, is like if you're if you have a you know, stressful time or you're having a hard time trying to get to sleep, this game is so just calming and relaxing. This will calm you right down and let you go right to sleep if you want to. It is just, mm-hmm. it's nice, it's friendly. The only objectives you have is to go do whatever you want and have fun on your island. It's like being on a vacation. Yep. It's so nice. But I did learn, because you're the one that told me that you're, you and your kids share the same copy and you have to be on the same island and so the resources, you know, if, if your kids have already plucked all the resources, you get in there and like, there's nothing for you to do. So I learned from that. So, OK, she's got a copy. I got a copy. We each have our own island. And this also means that we get to visit each other and do do fun things on each other's island. So but go. if anybody is playing an Animal Crossing, I'm, you know, I think I've got most people I know on Facebook that I have friends with and everything. So we can play play that. Plus, hey, I play Mario Kart, but 
Somewhere I probably have shared the code on my Instagram or something. I probably should share my number code and everything for anybody who has a friend of me who might want to play Animal Crossing with me or something. Especially right now, I'm trying to collect enough ore to build that shop. And the, the ore is mm-hmm. hard to come by. Especially when I didn't realize that if I ate a pear, it would make me break the rocks on my island. And I ran out of rocks because I kept breaking them instead of mining them for ore. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't eat anything now. Because, although I do have what for some nook miles, I need to chop one tree down. But I don't want to because I end up with all these tree stumps on my island. And I don't know what to do with tree stumps other than it's a good place to catch certain beetles that will hide out on the tree stump. Well, you know, there is a way to get rid of the uh, fruit that you have eaten so you can lose that strength. Uh, it does involve um, needing a commode. <laughs> but it does work. It does remove your strength after you've sat on the commode for a bit. Well, okay. Just, I have to get to a point where I have one. I'm still trying to get to where I get some stairs or something so I can get onto that back part of my island that's up elevated because I keep seeing bugs up there that I haven't caught yet. I'm like, I want to go catch that bug, but it won't come down to me. Well, would you like a hint? Yeah, I'll take hints. Yeah. Build a ladder. I don't have the recipe. Uh, then get that shop built. Yeah, I'm working at it. So a ladder will get me because I've seen like stairs, but a ladder then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ah. you, you you can use a ladder. Uh, you've got, of course, your pole so you can vault over the yep. rivers. You've got your bug net, which I assume you've got. Yeah, you've got the fishing pole. You've got your shovel. You've got your axe. So there, there's yeah, uh, there's there, there's a couple more things so that you'll my, discover. My tool ring. I had like one extra spot. I ended up putting my ocarina in there so I can put my ocarina in there and play with it, you know. But I guess that'd be a good spot to put the ladder then. Mm-hmm. Ah. Well, you may also want to, you know, look at buying or not buying, but uh, looking for a uh, slingshot recipe. Yeah, I got that one. So I've been popping some okay. balloons. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Uh, you know now, what's been fun? Because uh, it, it takes time for me to go on my tool ring and find my pole vote to go over a, uh, a river. Right now, because it's a, it's like the anniversary of Super Mario Brothers, they have all these Mario items that you can buy with your like within huh? your. I guess you're yeah. I'm using bells, but I've bought. I learned something. If you buy a pipe and you put one on each side of the river, you can pipe warp to the other places. Oh, nifty! Yeah. So, and I have a complete Mario outfit, so I dress as Mario and I go through the pipe, choop choop choop, and pop up on the other side of the island. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm having a lot of fun. Plus, at the front door of my house, I put the little question block. So every time I come in and out of the house, it's bing, and the coin comes out. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it's just it's stupid fun, and it's just so calming. Mm-hmm. So if if y'all have have a Nintendo Switch, you got to get Animal Crossing. It is it is just just great fun. It's so simple it and so nice and so friendly. And boy, do we need that kind of thing. We we certainly do. We certainly do, especially in this day and age. Yes, indeed. Which is why, by the way, later we're going to talk about It's a Small World. And don't go, go, oh, not that song again. Please don't play that song. There's some really nice stuff to say about It's a Small World. And the message of it is just nice. And I think we need it these days. Uh, that, that, that really, if you get down to the grassroots of what that ride is, it's a nice place to be. It's a good ride. Even if the song's yep. going to get stuck in your head for the next hour. <laughs> I will try not to play the song, but it will be part of some audio that we're going to share. So.
spanning the Disney and Geek universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. So the first thing, and this is why, you know, I, we're recording a day late, but that's okay, because that gave us a chance to hear. I mean, granted, nobody watched the Oscars. <laughs> Let's, we all know nobody was going to watch. But of all the movies I hadn't heard of that were winning stuff, Soul won Best Animated Feature. No surprises there. And also Best Score. And, you know, this is kind of cool because Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails, you know, it's kind of funny. Who would have ever thought you'd find him scoring Disney films and then winning an Oscar for it? For a jazz piece. There you go. <laughs> Who would have ever thought? And yeah, the music was really cool in Soul. I haven't watched it since that first yeah. time, but yeah, Soul was good because you know it if, was. It, because it's Pixar. Pixar, I Pixar can hardly do any wrong with me. I just love Pixar; they're great. Hey, even I, I even love the Good Dinosaur. So, yep, I love that movie too. It is cool because it's a weird western. When you get down to it, mm -hmm. it's a boy and his dog western. That is great. So, yeah, it's I know it's different for some people and it's almost a drama, but I like it. It was a good plus. How can you go wrong when you get the voice of uh, uh oh, now I can't think of his name, you know, but Jamie every Fox? Time when I hear him, I want to eat beef every time. You know what I mean? Oh, oh, you're you're talking about uh, Good Dinosaur. Yeah, the Good Dinosaur. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, yeah, Sam Jamie Foxx is fantastic or... in Soul. Let's, you know, let's give him that credit. Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx is I don't know what he can't play. Mm -hmm. He has got such a wide range of character. I mean, he, he was in Ray. Did you ever see Ray, the Ray Charles? Oh, my gosh. Yes, I did. Yeah. Wow. He nailed it. It's amazing. And I even still. OK, maybe I'm just a Spider-Man fanboy a little bit, but, you know, I can dislike a Spider-Man movie because I have. Uh, but Amazing Spider-Man 2. And I know it seemed kind of weird the way they presented Electro, but you can't take anything away from Jamie Foxx playing that character the way that they presented it. He went for it. I thought he was actually kind of cool as Electro. Even if it was a weird version, he did play it really well. I oh, can't maybe if he has another chance to play Electro, he can do it differently. Yeah, I've heard something that, that might happen. I've heard, but I don't know it for sure. <laughs> but it would be pretty but, cool. Uh, but definitely congratulations to Pixar and Pete Doctor uh, for oh, Soul. Yeah. Really oh, is yeah. a good movie. Good message about looking for the little things in life. The, yes. the little oh, my goodness. things that make life worth living. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, because after you've achieved that big thing, well, that's all you got left is sometimes remember the yeah. small things that got you there. Exactly. Yep. But, of course, keep working for that big thing because that's – but make sure you notice the small things along the way. So, next, this is uh, this is a weird story. I was hearing about this, and I remember seeing people tweeting it out. But there are people who have paid the money to put a new billboard up in California – that's asking Marvel Studios to bring back Tony Stark. And I could see this happening because, you know, we've introduced a multiverse. So there's definitely a Tony Stark that's still alive and somewhere in the multiverse. So well, not only have we brought in the multiverse, but we also have time travel as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but but here is the thing. The billboard says, to our beloved hero, please bring back Tony Stark. Hashtag bring back Tony, bring Tony Stark to life. And it's 42421. Now I don't know what that date is for, but I guess maybe that's when they put it out. But <laughs> you know, it would be neat if they do it because I mean, heck, nobody stays dead in comic books. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. I just you know, and, and as good as it would be to have Robert Downey Jr., I hope it's not just as a 
an artificial AI for Riri Williams. I would love to have Tony Stark himself be back. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. Find a way to get him in there. And he could still be a good mentor for Riri. Oh, yes. He definitely could. But, uh, you know, I'm wondering if because it had that date, if maybe, you know, they, they also had a hashtag on there. So maybe they were hoping to use that hashtag on the date on social media. I don't know. Yeah, well, they, that, that seems to be the date they put on the billboard. So maybe we, I, I guess I missed out on that. Uh, I don't post much to Twitter. I was even uh, talking to Paul Barry that how much neither of us like Twitter at the moment. Uh, there's a whole thing. that We were going to try to have Paul Barry on to talk about something, but um, Twitter has ruined it for us. Uh, and I'm not going to say any more about it, but yeah, I don't like Twitter. <laughs> Another place where it'd be good to make sure that we remember it is a small world, even mm-hmm. on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and here's this is just kind of weird. Uh, I don't know what all is going on with this. And when I first heard it, I thought, is somebody pulling my leg here? But uh, ESPN recently tested a bet cast for NBA fans interested in sports wagering and a kids cast of a Little League championship game aimed at the younger set. Now it's going to try what might be called a Marvel cast. So the Disney sports media giant on Monday, May the 3rd, plans to air an NBA special edition, a game between the Golden State Warriors and the New Orleans Pelicans that will weave elements from an original Marvel story and characters including Iron Man, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, Captain America, Black Widow, and Doctor Strange into the action. The broadcast will use 3D virtual characters, animation packages, and customized graphics to tell the tale of the Avengers watching the match in hopes of finding new heroes to help them fight an invading alien army. So the Avengers are going recruiting from the NBA. (laughs) All right, well, that'll definitely be interesting. But, you know, if you've ever seen a uh, Harlem Globetrotters uh, exhibition, you know that there is a way to create a story out of a basketball game. That is true. That is true. And they get to team up with Scooby-Doo. Yes, they do. <laughs> Indeed. Well, the other news story I had on that really was the uh, the Spider-Man animated series going away from Disney+, Plus, which I'm hopeful it's temporary because I want to be able to watch it more because it's not available for purchase. But uh, we did have woohoo something really cool in the trailer park this week. Mama, another gator got in the house. Another gator? The Neverland Trailer Park. So what I mainly wanted to do is, and uh, I actually have a video. If those of you who subscribe to the Neverland to Disney and Beyond YouTube channel, I did put a video where I gave a little bit of history of Shang-Chi, but uh, I figured we could talk a little bit about it. I mean, I, I think the first time I really remember seeing him was... Like right before Spider Island, when Spider Man had lost his spider sense, and the new Madam Web, which oh dang it, Jessica, not is it, what was her name? Dang it, she was used to be uh, Julia Carpenter. Uh, she yes. was the new Madam Web. She had just become Madam Web, but she got Shang Chi to train Spider Man because if he knew some more martial arts, he would be able to fight just as well, even without his spider sense. And Shang Chi got like these like magnetic gloves and shoes and everything so he could spar with Spider-Man until they developed what I believe, if I remember correctly, they called it Spider-Foo. So the Spider-Man knew Kung Fu. (laughs) But that's the first time I remember seeing Shang-Chi, but he's been around. I mean, he's really a character. I I know he had to have been inspired by 1960s and 70s Kung Fu movies. Oh, most definitely. Most (laughs) definitely. But, uh, you know, to be, to be quite honest, he, the character, or the Marvel character of Shang-Chi really sprang from 
the uh, Fu Manchu novels from early this century. Uh, in fact, Fu Manchu um, was eventually, the character was changed and remodeled for Marvel Comics, uh, but uh, you know that was the inspiration for Shang-Chi's father. Uh, you know, which uh, you know explains a lot. The the uh, the Shang Chi comics back in the sixties and seventies, he really did not actually seventies. I'm sorry, he really did not interact much with the Marvel universe. Uh, really, uh, it, it he worked pretty much primarily uh, within his own title, yeah. uh, and he had his own uh, group who who were working to defeat Fu Manchu, um, and eventually, uh, you know, he did work occasionally with characters like Iron Fist and Jack of Hearts and White Tiger. Even Jimmy but, Woo. Uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and, uh, you know, but he, he's certainly been incorporated more into the Marvel Universe within the last, you know, couple of decades. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it, it's interesting to go back and revisit those old stories because you could definitely see the... Um, the Bruce Lee influence and oh, yeah. know, <laughs> wanting to bring that in. So, oh, uh, yeah. you know, from, from what I've read, he's a, he's a stoic character. He doesn't really say much, uh, but he is very much a, a person of action. When he sees injustice going on, he will uh, fight out against it, you know, especially when it involves his family, such as dealing with his father yeah. and even his sister. Who's his sister? Uh, I don't recall her name, but will be certainly be you know she did show up in the uh trailer yeah i i, I was pretty sure that uh, when you were mentioning his sister that i had seen her in that trailer because there was a very prominent female speaking of the movie i even found a page that talks about the movie and i even saw some video uh, entertainment weekly had on youtube uh, with uh and i want to try to say his name simo liu who's playing shang chi and he was talking about how much fun he had making this movie and all the hard work he put in with all the training of, uh, with wushu i uh Golly, there's so many different uh, fighting styles he studied up on to make sure he was prepared. But this has Simo Liu, of course, Tony Leung as the Mandarin Wenwu, which they've chopped, swapped out his father because, you know, calling him Fu Manchu is mm -hmm. really not very politically correct. Uh, Aquafina, exactly. although they were calling her Nora on the set, is playing a character named Katie. Uh, Menger Zhang. A, a lot of these people, I'm not familiar with them, but Michelle Yeoh is in this. And yeah. I've been, I liked her ever since she was a Bond girl. And then Crashing Tiger, uh, Hidden Dragon, she was awesome in that movie. So oh, yeah. I'm excited for Michelle Yo. I like her. <laughs> but we're getting to see even a character called Razor Fist, Florian Montanu. I'm pretty sure I've heard of that actor before. Not to be confused with Taserface. Oh, <laughs> right. It's Razor Fist. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this, I think we're finally going to get a real Mandarin then from this. Instead of, you know, although I do love um, oh, the actor. Wow. And that went right on my head. I do love that actor. He, is, he can Kingsley. play anything, too. Ben Kingsley. He can play about anything. Uh, and he was he was funny uh, in that. But I would rather him been the scary Mandarin. But now we got like a legit Mandarin. And I hope he really has the Ten Rings and has all this power. Oh, they, 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 they showed. It appears that they are more bracelets than yeah rings, but he definitely has all 10 of them oh yeah so i i'm super excited because i you know we've been hearing that this was coming and i was like okay well that'll be cool you know i'm going to see what they do but then this trailer dropped and i 
I like the moment for me is there he's on the bus and you see him do the double punch, the double kick. I was like, yes, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that was awesome. Then getting to see all these different shots. This is like made old school Kung Fu movie. I am stoked mm-hmm. for this. I am totally well, in. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing that I am secretly hoping for. I'm not going to guarantee it. And I, you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be more than pleasantly surprised if it happens, but you know, Okay, up front, we know that the Mandarin is the main big bad. At least that's what they want us to think. Who could be bigger than the Mandarin? Galactus. <laughs> well, I, I think you're thinking on the right uh, level there. I'm actually kind of holding out hope that we might see a great big green dragon wearing purple pants. Ooh. Bing, bang, boom. That would be pretty darn awesome. <laughs> I'd love to see them try to find a way to pull that off in a movie to make it where it doesn't seem silly. (laughs) Yeah. Done wrong. It can be really silly, but oh, that'd be awesome. Oh, it would be. But you bring in dragons and then you can start bringing in Iron Fist. And oh, yes, there's a lot of room and a lot of territory that they can take this. So it's going to be really interesting. I mean, they are saying that this, this is the same Ten Rings organization that kidnapped tony stark way back mm-hmm. in iron man mm-hmm. and we all which aldrich killian tried to take credit for in iron man 3 so you know it, it'll be interesting to see how they transition they they already established a little bit when uh trevor slattery was um uh contacted in that little marvel one shot you know i don't think i ever saw so, that oh my yeah it was uh he was actually approached by someone who uh represented the real 10 rings and was going to take him to meet the mandarin yeah, let's see. Following the appearance of Fabric of Version in the film Iron Man 3, where where did they stick that one shot? I probably have it somewhere. I just haven't sat and watched I'm it. I'm trying to remember. Uh, let's see. I think I've got a link here, so give me just a moment uh, to see what it was associated with, what uh, movie it was part of. Is uh, the DVD or in a Blu-ray for Thor The Dark World? Oh, I don't own that one because that movie was not that great. <laughs> And uh, it's uh, the one shot is called All Hail the King. I bet it's on Disney Plus if I look for it. Do they have any of them one shots? shots They might. But I'll bet you you can find it on YouTube. Yeah, I'll I'll probably have to do a search for it because that's why I didn't see it is I didn't buy the Dark World because it wasn't. The only time I watched it was in the theater, but I was a little disappointed in it. So I didn't go throw my money at it right away. I haven't and I haven't Uh, really watched it since. Well, I've I've actually been uh, building up my uh, DVD and uh, v- uh, Blu-ray library. Uh, you know, especially you know, I'm I'm personally concerned about the loss of uh, physical media. Yeah, uh, but uh, I, I I've had all of the other most of the Marvel movies on Blu-ray, uh, and I just recently got um, the first Iron Man on Blu-ray and the Incredible Hulk on Blu-ray. Um, but, uh, the Iron Man, it's a uh, part of a release that came out just before, um, uh, infinity war. Ah. Uh, and unfortunately those releases, which my copy of uh, Thor of the dark world is also from that release or set of releases does not include this short on. It. Oh goodness. So, um, yeah, but I know I've seen it on YouTube. In fact, I've seen all of those, uh, one shots available on YouTube. Yeah, they're probably on Marvel's official channel, even. Who knows? Could be. Could be. 
But we're expecting this film September 3rd, unless something yeah, so, silly happens. So that's the fourth Marvel movie we're getting this year, then. Oh, well, so much Marvel. So, so much Marvel. Yeah, so we've, yeah. So again, that gives us Black Widow, um, Eternals, Shang-Chi, and Spider-Man No Way Home. Ah. And then we'll start next year uh, hot and heavy with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Oh, indeed. Yeah, I've been waiting for that one, too. That's going to be good. Directed by one Sam Raimi. Yes. In fact, did you see, uh, I know this is going way off topic, but um, Bruce Campbell revealed his script page for uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I heard something about this, but I didn't want to look at it. Well, you know, it it, it it was a you know he posted it on April first, so take that. As <laughs> yeah, that's true too. But he but said he it, wasn't it, it, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just say if we see any one-handed chainsaw wielding uh, <laughs> smart employees, you won't be surprised. But uh, I don't think he'd be allowed to share something quite like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be a bit much. I still think it would be awesome if, rest, if, if, if he, if he has to play Mysterio at some point. That would be perfect, but we've already got a Mysterio, <laughs> I guess, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But there had been talk about having him play Mysterio. I would love to have seen it happen. He'd have been awesome. Well, maybe maybe he'll get to reintroduce uh, Bonesaw. <laughs> Bonesaw is ready. <laughs> Oh, indeed. Oh, indeed. Sorry for the tangent. <laughs> well, we chased that rabbit uh, and, and and got it out of the dip. So, uh, But uh, before we dive into some main stuff, I want to, just in case you're not familiar with Small World, we found the audio here from a little book, uh, 1968, if I remember when I looked at this. Uh, this is a ride, of course, that originated from the World's Fair, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. But uh, take you back and listen to the audio and the story of It's a Small World. This is your Neverland story time. You can listen along with your MP3 device. You will know it is time to listen when you hear the chime like this. Let's begin now. This is the story of It's a Small World. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. Once there lived a little orphan boy who did not know either his real name or which country he came from. He did not know because nobody knew. People at the children's home where he stayed called him Bobby. Today, Bobby was going to Disneyland with the other children. He sat all by himself on the bus. I wish I belonged to a country, and that I knew which country it was, he thought. For Bobby didn't feel he belonged anywhere. When the bus reached Disneyland, everyone went through the gates. Bobby became separated from the other children. For a while, he looked around. Then, in Fantasyland, he saw a beautiful palace with an enormous white and gold clock in front. Bobby liked clocks. He had taken one apart once. But this was the biggest clock he had ever seen. He got into a boat for a closer look. 
as he sailed past the clock face, he heard the chimes telling the hour. Suddenly, Bobby was in an enchanted land. The signs said welcome in many languages. A group of Scandinavian children sang to him, while ice skaters whirled about on a rink above the water. A little farther on, the boat reached the British Isles. We folk were playing on a beautiful Irish harp. Perhaps my real name is Patrick, said Bobby. I do like green. Then he heard English children singing to him from London Bridge. And a little Scots piper playing his bagpipes. A flock of geese joined in the melody in Belgium, and in Holland, boys and girls seated on tulips clicked their wooden shoes to keep time to the music. arrived in Spain and Portugal, the children there were playing and dancing. It's time we're aware, there's so much that we share, they sang. When he reached Italy, future opera stars were singing arias by the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Graceful dancers in Gay Paris were putting on a show. An alpine yodeler's voice rang out to the accompaniment of Swiss bells. Russia, a row of Cossacks danced to a balalaika band. The sky in the Middle East was filled with magic flying carpets. What fun it would be to ride on one! A little Greek shepherd boy played on his pipes of pan. Why, they're all playing the same song, thought Bobby. There was a wonderful Indian snake charmer. 
golden goddess reigned over the land of Bali. Japanese boys were flying dragon kites above an orange Tory gate. And in Africa, what wonderful animals. Hippos, monkeys, giraffes, and a laughing hyena. Bobby liked animals. Maybe. I came from Africa, he said. There was an Egyptian boy on his very own camel. South America, everyone was dancing. Suddenly, Bobby wanted to dance with them. He came to the end of the voyage with the words of the song running through his mind. Just one moon and a golden sun and a smile means friendship to everyone. It's a small, small world. He still did not know which country he came from, but he knew that a part of him belonged to every country, and a part of every country belonged to him. The boat sailed out into the bright sunlight and stopped. Bobby got out. He saw the boys and girls from the children's home and ran to join them. He felt alone no longer. He had friends all over the world. It's a small world after all. To Disney and beyond. Now, before we get into some history of it, because, you know, small world, of course, is... It's the, the message of it's everything that we have in common. We're all under the same moon. We're all under the same sun. And I even have a T-shirt. I made myself a smile. means friendship to everyone. Right there, the opening of the song says everything you need right there. Exactly. But I wanted, of course, because it is a 50-year anniversary of Walt Disney World, I've been sharing from a book I have, Walt Disney World 20 magical years and i want to read a little bit out of the section for Fantasyland. as i've mentioned before this is primarily a photo book and it does have some great photos but it does have a little bit of uh, information on different lands but Fantasyland, of course is where you're going to find small world so let's read this here it says reaching gracefully up to florida's intense blue sky at the end of main street is cinderella castle the entrance to the magic kingdom's most fanciful realm this enchanted 180-foot-high landmark is an architectural blend of many European styles, from the 13th-century French fortress to the late Renaissance palace. Since it was inspired by no single structure, Cinderella Castle represents all castles. 
It is the solid yet dreamlike setting for countless childhood fantasies. In the castle courtyard stands a charming bronze statue of Cinderella, heroine of the fairy tale that inspired the 1950 Disney animated classic film. Beyond the castle drawbridge is the land that Walt Disney called a timeless land of entertainment. This is Fantasyland, dedicated to all those children, young and old, who believe that dreams really can come true. Here you can fly high with Dumbo or whirl in a spinning teacup, take a gallop on a mighty mer white merry-go-round steed, or careen with Mr. Toad down the road to nowhere in particular. Well, not anymore, you can't. Uh, you can refuse the poison apple in the outstretched hand of the Wicked Witch or duck as Captain Hook fires his cannon. Here, Disney fantasies are yours to enjoy. Uh, now, there's a section that's going to talk about the uh, the 1963... Uh, well, well Pepsi-Cola talked to him in 1963, and then uh, Walt Disney created a pavilion for the 1964-65 New York World's Fair. And I'm going to move past that and not read that section, so we're not going to read a whole lot out of the book, because we're going to get a lot more of that information as we dive into some of the history of It's a Small World. And uh, some of this I pulled directly from uh, Walt Disney World's official website, because uh, it says that the happiest crews that ever sailed that sing along to the classic anthem of world peace during a delightful musical boat tour. Cruise along the Seven Seaway Waterway on a gentle 10-minute journey through all seven continents. Pass through vivid, fantastical scenes representing the iconic sights and sounds of a dozen nations, or dozens of nations, as it reads. Behold a cast of dancing darlings from nearly every corner of the globe, and watch as audio-animatronics figures achieve universal harmony as they sing one song in many languages. By the journey's end, Walt Disney's simple message is clear. It truly is a small world after all. And if you're looking at the page I am, you can read this next section. Well, It's a Small World, as we've discussed, was created for the 64-65 New York's World Fair, as was personally overseen by Walt Disney in support of the United Nations Children Fund, or UNICEF. The attraction was a huge hit. After the two seasons there at the World Fair, it was shipped to Disneyland Park, where it opened on May 28th of 1966. In 1971, It's a Small World was recreated to become one of the opening day attractions at Walt Disney World Resort. Due to its immense popularity, the attraction has been replicated at many other Disney-themed parks around the world and is considered a Walt Disney masterpiece. It's a Small World, after all, is a timeless classic and one of the most well-known songs of all time. And it's an earworm, folks. Walt Disney asked the Academy Award-winning brothers Richard and Robert Sherman, who were hard at work on Mary Poppins, to create a single song that could be sung by audio-animatronics figures in multiple languages. Now, did you know what the original uh, plan was for them to be singing? Uh, yeah, because I guess you don't really see any mouths move of the children. No. They're dancing. Well, the yeah, well, the original plan was that they were going to be singing the, uh, their different national anthems. Oh, yes. And, you know, uh, a version of that was mocked up, and apparently it was so cacophonous, you couldn't hear a single message. So that's when right. he brought in Richard and Robert Sherman to come up with a song that could tell this story that they are trying to tell. Yep, I remember hearing about that. It would have been interesting if they could have gotten that to work to hear all the different uh, national anthems, but I don't know if it would have been near as impactful. Exactly. I mean, again, we're, we're talking about, you know, what is what was the message the attraction was trying to bring across? And that is summed up in the song. Yep. 
Now, of course, if you've ridden this ride, you can't help but uh, be familiar with the art style that's throughout it. Mary Blair. Exactly. The art she was awesome. of Mary Blair. Oh, uh, she yeah. had a distinctive use of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also used geometric shapes very uh, differently. Uh, and her art style is very simple and very childlike. In fact, you know, you can look at many of the classic little golden books where oh, her yeah. creations, oh, she yeah. did the artwork for them. And she was really good with uh, watercolors. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. Definitely. She also had a huge impact on uh, the film The Three Caballeros. And yeah. She was with Walt on that South American trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, she 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 definitely has uh, you know had a wonderful eye for art. She was one of Walt's favorite artists at the studio, and mm-hmm. you know, he did call on her quite a bit. You know, in fact, you can see uh, some of her uh, concept work for uh, Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan. Nice. Uh, and the impact that you know her artwork had on the development of those films, and even Cinderella. Cinderella is totally her design. Oh, definitely. Definitely. But, you know, her visual aesthetic was well-renowned. Her color paper collages give you the impression of sailing through an illustrated children's book. You know, one of my favorite Mary Blair uh, pieces, though, isn't in A Small World. It's actually over at the Contemporary Resort at Disney World. There is a huge mural in the middle of the hotel in which, uh, you know, there are uh, children and uh, uh, Western animals, some of which are a goat. And if you look really closely at that goat, you'll notice that it has five legs. Oh, yeah, I've heard about this. <laughs> and we're not talking about the greatest of all time, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, an interesting detail after, of course, she designed the look of everything, but the dolls themselves were sculpted by Blaine Gibson and designed by Gibson and Greg S. Marinella. And, and there are over 300 of these dolls in the attraction. Of course, that yeah. was at the time. Uh, this is from Kingdom Insider. I think there's probably even more because they've, they've been adding, in Disneyland at least, Disney characters. So you can meet Stitch and Lilo and Ariel is in there. I think you can find Cinderella. I, th- I don't even know how many movies they've referenced in there. But it even gets all made out for Christmas, which mm-hmm. that would I the next time I write it, I'm going to be in Disneyland for Christmas. And I want to see it at Christmas because uh, I'm a big Christmas fan anyway. And the whole aesthetic, I've seen video of this. It looks fantastic as a Christmas ride. Well, and the great thing is you don't just have It's a Small World to listen to. They also toss in Jingle Bells. Yes. <laughs> so Jingle Bells will be stuck in your head. But uh, let's see, the Disney characters you see in the Disneyland version, you've got Alice in Wonderland, there's Mulan, there's uh, the Three Caballeros, there's um, Aladdin and Jasmine, uh, Nemo and Dory, um, Stitch and Lilo. um, uh, They're peppered in there, and the style, you know, it goes back to that Mary Blair style. So it's obvious who you're looking at. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it fits in with the theme and was actually an outgrowth of uh, how they designed the It's a Small World for Hong Kong Disneyland. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think I've ever uh, seen that. There is actually a mention uh, that the ride has seen a few refurbishments over the years. The largest one happened at Disneyland in 2008. They improved the interior, mm-hmm. added new plastic posts to replace the fiberglass ones. They also added yep. 29 new Disney characters into the countries their stories came from, which is awesome. Hong Kong had already done this. 
as you were mentioning, so it was modeled after their version of the ride. Each character was imagined and designed with a Mary Blair feel, so they meshed with the rest of the attraction. And that's one of the things that's always been awesome with Disney of, of creating all these fairy tales, and it took them forever before they did an American tale, you know, with Pocahontas, and then, mm-hmm. and then a very Americanized version uh, with the Princess and the Frog. Uh, but fairy tales and different stories come from all over the world. And I love the fact that we're, we're broadening out to now we've in recent years, we had Moana and just this year, Raya and the last dragon, where we're getting styles from around the world of different mm-hmm. fantasy fairy tales. Cause that's the, that to me is keeping a lot of with the spirit of Disney and what Smarwell showed us, you know, with going around the world and getting to see the country of origin of where these stories come from. Cause everybody course, around the world loves a good story. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite um, things to, to realize about the uh, about it's a small world is that it was you know by by developing the flume technology uh, and putting that into a park setting is how they you know really created other rides out there that um, you know revolutionized the theme park industry. You know, look at uh, its impact on Pirates of the Caribbean. Up oh, yeah. until the creation of this ride, Pirates of the Caribbean was going to be a walk through mm-hmm. wax museum. Um, you've also got the implementation of uh, a flume and a drop, you know, yep. as seen in Tomorrowland. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! <laughs> ah, you got a little fun go. I'm trying to recognize Frank Walker it is. as a kid with his jetpack. Oh, <laughs> that's fun! Oh my goodness! So, but one of the things also is special that uh, I've I've never been to Disneyland, only Walt Disney World, and they shrunk it down. But at Disneyland the clock and like this oh yeah almost like a village facade that you have out front which you know i've seen photos of it at christmas of how cool it is but you know this clock that actually does keep time and fun little things mm-hmm. happen i guess at 15 minute increments yep at 15 minute increments you've got a group of dolls that come out and announce the time you've got um, trumpets that blare and it opens up and it shows you what the time is and you can hear the whirrings and mechani- uh, mechanical pieces of the clock going and it's just a it, it's a cute little thing to see and you know just just keep you abreast of whatever time it happens to be yeah which is either you know as cute as the ride is it's either something that's going to make you smile or give you nightmares <laughs> your pick <laughs> Because there have been uh, like fan fiction of whatever of what you know what would it be like to get stuck on the ride in the middle of the night and get off the boat and you find out you're the only person there and the dolls come to life for to come and get you. Uh, <laughs> I, I've heard horror stories that people come up with like that uh, frequently. <laughs> Wasn't that the plot of Kingdom Keepers? <laughs> Probably was. I I have two or three of those books I think, but I haven't gotten a chance to read them. I have a stack of books I haven't gotten to read yet. Uh, I just don't have time to sit and read. I probably just need to make time, as Miss Piggy would say. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, def- definitely the facade is different between Disneyland and Walt Disney World. Oh, Disneyland, yeah. it is outdoors. You board outdoors. Whereas in Disney World, it's all inside of a show building. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where you do have a smaller version of the Disneyland facade without all of the uh, whirlings and goings on that... Yeah. Uh, that you have so it, for me it was a bit of a step down to see that Boy, but again it? it's a it, it's a you know but again it's a classic ride i can't imagine any disney you know magic kingdom style park without it yeah and it's one of the ones even though if that song might get stuck in your head and you're gonna be annoyed with it it's like if if you don't live around there and visit frequently if you're a tourist from out of town like me it's one of the things well you have to go on it because it's so iconic 
I mean, that is it's that song is almost at the same level as when you wish upon a star. It it's it's mm-hmm. that's it's so Disney that it is there, and it is such a really great message, and even. Uh, uh, Richard Sherman has mentioned that song was meant to be sung prayerfully, but well, that's yes. to speed it up to make it more fun uh, because it was a prayer for the world to all of us to just stop for a minute and look and say, there's so much that we have, you know, sure we're divided by oceans and all this and, and opinions and all this stuff, but we need to focus on what brings us together uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and pay attention to that because there's enough division in the world and doggone it. I, I, I got to say that Ryan and the last dragon, they talk about the, 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 the evil in that in that movie was created by human discord, and we're all guilty of it. And so, Small World is like the ultimate reversal of the human mm-hmm. discord that we create ourselves in the way we act. And I've got an example of human discord that I want to get into here. As uh, unless we have something else we want to say about this, I do have a review for Falcon and the Winter Soldier that I want to give everybody a chance to jump out of if you haven't happened to see it. You got anything else to add or small world that we should mention? Yeah, it's just it's it, it's a classic Disney attraction. And and again, the message, you know, is just as applicable today as it was in the 1960s when it was written. Indeed. And maybe sometimes more so the way we behave. Yes. So now is your opportunity. If you haven't seen the final episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, pause this and come back later. Hello out there in TV land. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. A Neverland Podcast Television Review. One thing I do have to mention on the, the front hand that bugged the heck out of me, and I've, I've grabbed this review off of Screen Rant, and I thought it was a fair review, really. But I saw that this rever- review was shared on Facebook, and apparently, and it's it's a fair review. They're talking about some problems that I had, and it's, it's a lot of issues that I had with the with this series as an overall. But apparently, you're not allowed to criticize this without somebody on social media saying, "Well, you're just some racist because you you just didn't like that they had a black Captain America," and they're pulling this out of their backside. Basically, it's like we can't have an honest discussion about this because we have a, a black lead, and you know, one of our main stories we get is following. You know, Sam Wilson as in his journey to become Captain America. But if you criticize that, suddenly you're just automatically racist. That's the problem I'm seeing with the world. And that boy, that irritated the dickens out of me. But uh, I wanted to read a little bit out of Screen Rant's review. Let's see who wrote up this review. Uh, Alex Ledbetter, because I really had to agree on some stuff that they did say about the final episode uh yeah uh the show's dramatic culmination is sam wilson decked out in his wakandan made captain america costume which looked awesome by the way telling the heads of the grc that they need empathy for the world they are pretending to protect from a storytelling standpoint it's the epitome of telling not showing having the main character spell out what the preceding six hours failed to effectively communicate but while it is a good culmination of sam's arc the message is itself flawed. There's respect paid to the broken institution that stops short of true healing. After chastising the U.S. on live TV, the new Captain America is asked to go help finish the Flag Smasher threat, which he does without question. And that paragraph, I think, sums up what I had the biggest problem with. Now, I did have fun with this. That first episode, I was got super excited watching Falcon uh, going after those Libyans, man. He was awesome. I loved it. And there's a lot of great moments in this, but 
the overarching story is supposed to be the GRC and the Flag Smashers, but it seemed like they didn't want to take enough time to fully explain what the heck is really going on other than, well, you know, the blip kind of, the world seemed to be united during the blip, which we didn't get to ever see. We came back after five years have passed and we put it back together, but now they're just having trouble trying to figure out how to put the world back together and how to get everybody's lives back on track after five years of being gone. And But they never, they didn't seem to make us understand that. So this whole speech, it's just, it fell flat for me because I was like, okay, I, I see this is supposed to be an iconic moment where he's stepping into his role as Captain America and trying to inspire people. But his biggest inspiration seemed to be do better. Really? Mm-hmm. Do better? But now along the way, I did love the character arcs. I was watching him grow and, and become the new Captain America and gain the confidence to take up the shield that Steve gave to him was great. I loved watching Bucky uh, go through his redemption arc, that whole story. I loved it, although I'm a little disappointed that when we go and he's going to talk to uh, his his friend there, the old man who he killed his son, uh, that we it just kind of dropped when the conversation began, and the next thing we see, he's just looking in at him through a window. I want to know, was he able to be friends with him still? Did the guy understand that it wasn't Bucky's fault with the brainwashing of being the Winter Soldier? It, that got dropped. But at least we did get a full character arc with John Walker, which, yeah, he was a controversial character. I understood where John Walker was coming through. He's been put on this challenge of becoming Captain America, and he wants to prove not only to himself, but to everybody that he can do the job. And he wants to work with Bucky and Sam, but they just will not work with him because they're just against him. And that frustration eventually comes out the way he treats them. And then we do see, though, a growth from him because, you know, his best friend gets murdered. We see him take revenge. But by the end of the series, I loved the moment he had where he has to choose between seeking his revenge or doing the right thing. And when he went and grabbed mm-hmm. the van to save lives, so like, you have become the hero I knew you were going to be and stuff it to all you people who called him a douche because John Walker stepped up at the end. I'm like, ha, I knew he was a hero. That's U.S. agent and he is ahead of the West Coast Avengers. Booyah. I was happy at that moment. I was cheering. I was like, you do it. You show him, John, that you've, you're Marvel's full of flawed characters. He's a very flawed character, but flawed characters can be heroes. And mm-hmm. I like that part so, overall. So, I mean, I did have fun with this. But the plot things, and it felt like they were trying to shove agendas at us the whole time instead of telling a good story. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, personally, I think part of part of the issue is because of the time that we are in, with uh, COVID having affected us all so greatly. There was an entire storyline that was excised from this series because of COVID. There mm-hmm. was going to be a worldwide plague. You know, that's what uh, resulted in Mama Danya's death. You know, that's, you know, part of what there were, there were talks of a vaccine being available, but for what? Um, and so I think, you know, a lot of the elements that surrounded that storyline, you know, were updated, were altered. You know, I will admit there were some scenes in uh, the series that I kind of rolled my eyes at a little bit where, you know, I felt like there was a bit of preaching going yeah. on. But on the other hand, Marvel has always been, you know, we reflect the world that is outside of your window. Um, and, you know, there is messaging in there that goes along with what we are seeing around in the world today. You know, but, uh, you know, I will say I, I was not more excited than anyone when, 
you know, that op- the opening scene of this final episode, you know, you see something shooting through the sky and I'm oh, like, yes. oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, you know, I, I love the fact that Sam has taken up this mantle. A mm-hmm. lot of this series was about him you know, working through his issues with, you know, what is Captain America? What does it represent? And how do I go and fill the shoes that Steve left behind? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of growth. You know, also pulling from Marvel history, they brought in uh, Isaiah Bradley from the series The Truth. Yeah. You know, where, you know, that really is a very, you know, explores kind of a dark part of Marvel history right there. No pun intended there at all. <laughs> yeah. um, but just just the, the the secret history behind what's going on, you know, and it's it's been kind of po- pointed at and uh, assumed in some cases. You know, you've got, you know, how did Thunderbolt Ross know that there was a serum held outside that he could give to uh, create the abomination? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but you know, you, you you've also got the themes that were established in Captain America, with um, you know the serum makes a good man great, and makes a bad man worse. Yeah, you, know, you saw that, you know, as well at play. You know, callbacks like that were terrific. You know, we 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 saw Baron Zemo edging closer to who Baron Zemo is in the comics. Yes, I love uh, the mask. And, yeah, and and seeing that come through, and you know, I think a lot of people now have a few or have a new favorite uh, villain in Zemo. You know, <laughs> that'll probably change back once we get back into Loki's story. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, but you know, you 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 actually can understand Zemo a little bit better because of this series, um, and he had some very, you know, his character had some very valid points about. You know, what is it to be a super soldier, you know, and, and talking about supremacy and what kind of a mindset there is behind that. Um, yeah. And then we get into the whole situation with Sharon Carter. And oh, yeah. That was a shock. I, they, well, they were they were making some pretty heavy inferences all throughout the season that she was the power broker. Uh-huh. You know, I was I, I was, you know, kind of sitting back going, OK, wait until we see Arnim Zola. You know, because he's got to come back at some point. Yeah. You know, he didn't just disappear when uh, the missile struck that uh, computer right. uh, <laughs> bank. But, um, you know, with Sharon Carter, I can understand, um, you know, her feeling left out following Civil War. And, but I don't know. I think that there is more there. And what I am secretly hoping for is we're going to find out that is not Sharon Carter at all, but a scroll. Mm, maybe. Very convenient to find yourself in a position of power after such a short time and uh, now having access to all of the equipment at yeah. the disposal of the government. So I, I think that's a setup for Secret Invasion, to be quite honest. Maybe. That'd be interesting. And, well, of course, they, they really need to figure out the Sharon Carter thing, because now we've got, if, if Steve went back to be able to be with Peggy, so Sharon is now his granddaughter, and Sharon flirted Peace. with him, and Grand- I'm my own grandpa. <laughs> Grandniece. She's she's very <laughs> clear of saying that Peggy was her aunt. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. yes. But so, it's, it's still yeah. weird now. <laughs> <laughs> but 
they, the way they set up the multiverse but... is you know stuff exists because you have still have a memory of it. So somehow mm-hmm. another it still exists. So if you consider that Steve actually has created an alternate timeline where he had went back and grew old with her, and he's he is, but he isn't the same Steve that would have been around to have Sharon Carter flirting with him and well, kissing and there, him. There, oh, there, there's the whole other thing about Steve not getting involved with anything for that 40 years after he went right. back to right. Running, uh, he would have come out of the ice. So that that's a completely story out on the other hand. Also, I just like Emily Van Camp as an actor. Yeah. And I, I would, I, you know, I remember her as Amy on Everwood. And, I never uh, watched that. Uh, which is actually a pretty good series about a, a doctor who leaves the big city with his son and daughter after his wife passes away and moves into this uh, mountain town and tries to learn how to fit in there. And, uh, <laughs> Emily Van Camp is, you know, becomes girlfriend to a son, and it's a it, it's a cute series, uh, and a fun series. Uh, kind of, uh, you know, shows small town life in the same quirky way as Northern Exposure. But I am getting way off topic here. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, we we are in a new era here with these uh, Marvel shows, and you know, like the comics, it allows for more world building. Yeah, allows for the opportunity to tell longer stories that aren't confined that two and a half hour format of a movie and to also tell them in different ways. I mean, we, we could never have a movie like WandaVision uh, just as we can never really have a movie that goes into this much depth and detail about uh, the the struggle Sam has taking on this new mantle. Yeah. So um, looking that darn good doing it. That suit was awesome. I loved it. (laughs) I loved it. Yeah. And, and it's good. You know, we got reminders that Wakanda is still out there. They're still interested happening you know they're still keeping an eye on bucky and they know how to disarm him <laughs> yeah <laughs> literally <laughs> it's a good thing they didn't fe- defeat him <laughs> oh my goodness and also the setup because we got to meet a uh, good old val uh and we, i don't know what game she's playing with john walker is she legitimately like maybe be a friend of nick fury at this point and legitimately trying to help john walker or is she got an ulterior motive where the other shoe's about to drop mm-hmm. but well, there is also no, a good question they changed the title at the end of it to call it captain america and the winter soldier so how come he's got his new name bucky is no longer the winter soldier why don't we just call him bucky now or something like captain america and bucky that actually would fit because he's not the winter soldier anymore he's free of that and that was part of the whole character arc is him trying to get Fury and get the redemption from having had that dark past that it wasn't his fault. But I love to have the moment where he he finally got to actually rescue some people compared to, you know, all he got to do before is fight and kill. And he had his moment where he actually got to come to the rescue and help people like you're getting to be a hero now, Buck. That's awesome. So that, well, was, he, that was great. He does have that opportunity. But if you'll remember in Madripoor, when he needed to use those Winter Soldier skills, they were not hard to find. Yeah. And the music cues, if you'll listen. Ooh, yeah, I know, dude. <laughs> are, you know, come directly. You know, they, they are the Winter Soldier theme. So, um, you know, what, what I foresee happening here, and Val, you know, Val is an interesting character in and of mm-hmm. herself. Um, and, and again, I'm surprised uh, that they are going that direction and brought her in. You know, I'm kind of wonder if they aren't also kind of merging in Val Cooper with the Countess mm. here as a government liaison. Yeah. Cause you know, she's the one that put wonder, together X factor, wasn't she? Yeah. And yeah. you know, if, if you start going that way and look at it, you know, how soon are we going to see, uh, Henry Peter Guyrich? Oh, 
and, and mutants some of in general. Others. Exactly. So, um, but anyhow, you know, here she is. She's reaching out to a version of Captain America. We know that there are, you know, there's we, we have yet to see what's going to happen to Taskmaster. But, you know, here we've got someone who can replicate any move that they see. You know, um, are we moving towards a Thunderbolts and or Dark Avengers type of team? Uh, are we seeing that being maybe, created maybe. in front of our eyes? You know, maybe. we know we've got Armor Wars coming up down the road, so we're going to be seeing alternate Ooh, versions yeah. Ooh, of yeah. Iron Man. You know, maybe yeah. that, I, I think that's where we're getting uh, Riri, but, you know, maybe yeah. we could be seeing uh, Hammer come back. Oh, yeah, because I wonder whatever happened and to that guy. Sam, yeah, see Sam Rockwell back. And, Plus, I you know, love Sam Rockwell anyway. <laughs> exactly. Really. Especially, so, have you seen Jojo Rabbit, by the way? Yes, I have. He is so good in that. Oh, he is. I love that movie. He is. That, that is an amazing performance. Oh, he's he's just good in there. Of course, I remember the first time I saw him was Galaxy Quest, and he was so funny. But he can, he's one of those guys, he can play just about anything. He can be the jerk and Justin Hammer. Uh and I, and I was even watching, uh, I, maybe it was at Disney Plus, but I was watching, I watched all three of the Iron Man movies, you know. Well, no, I haven't watched Iron Man 3 again, but I was kind of re-watching some Iron Man movies this week. And I was like, dang, he was so good as Justin Hammer. I want to see that character come back. And I want to see AIM. I want to see yeah, AIM. Yeah, as do I. I want to see a real AIM and not yes. the, you know, Aldrich Killian kind of sort of version. I need my beekeepers. <laughs> Uh, heck, I even want Modok. Yeah. Can we get a Modok oh. up in here? It's not going to be MCU, but there is a Modok series coming to Hulu. Yeah, I have heard, but I want a minute. With Pat Oswalt. And I think uh, I, I haven't gotten that far in the Avengers video game that was out this year, but I I feel like they're hinting at the person who's going to become Modok or something. Because hmm. there is a character... And it's part of AIM, but he's got some of the headpiece on and he's losing his hair and his head is starting to swell. I'm like, are they going to create a version of MODOK out of this guy? <laughs> so I was like, that would well, be so cool. If he turns green, he'll be the leader. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I'm still waiting for that character to come back. Well, we, we also know that one of the one of the series that are coming down the pipe that's uh, being worked on now is She-Hulk. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there there's a whole avenue of characters right there. You know, when I think of She-Hulk, I can't think of She-Hulk having a rogues gallery, but there's still an awful lot of uh, Hulk villains out there that have not even been. Well, yeah, I guess they were slightly touched with uh, yeah. the leader in The Incredible Hulk. But uh, there's still a, a whole family of characters there that yeah. you know, we have the opportunity to use. Though, personally, I kind of hope we get the John Byrne version of She-Hulk. Yeah, I and the, you got to have it with a sense of humor, because She-Hulk has exactly. always had a sense of humor about the books. And you can get get Taiku Watiti to work on some She-Hulk. It would be great, because he's got great humor and sensibilities, and yet heart. He always has a great yep. amount of heart that he's got in his films. That I, From what I've seen of his films, there's always heart and humor, and I would love to see if he gets to work on She-Hulk a little bit. It would be mm -hmm. really good. It so. would be great. So, you know, and, and I'm sorry we took this discussion about uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier into what's coming down the pike for Marvel. But, you know, there, there there's a lot of opportunity here. And again, yes, having these is. series available is is a great way to expand and look more into the worlds. You know, I, I do, you know, kind of wonder, you know, how is this going to impact 
the person who ha- only sees the movie doesn't have access to uh, Disney mm. Plus. You know, what kind of a storyline are you know how are you know how are they going to catch up to the story? Because we know in uh, 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 Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, it is going to have the Scarlet Witch, and this oh, isn't yeah. necessarily the Scarlet Witch from the end of Endgame. Yeah, it's a Scarlet Witch from the end of Wandavision. Um, yeah, and which I'm, I, I gotta say, I liked Wandavision a lot more actually than this series. In truth, mm-hmm. well, and and Wandavision, you know, it, it's a different attitude and a different feel. You know, and you are going to get that with different series. Yeah, you know, I, I still enjoyed. You know, these these are these are TV shows, but they do come with a a, a feature length budget to them. Yes, they do, which makes it exciting and awesome. Exactly. And again, uh, with Marvel and Kevin Feige running uh, the show, you know, we've got a, a a good group that's putting these stories together and making them available. And you know, at the end of the day. You know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you know, it's about continuing Steve's legacy. Yeah. How do we move on from here? But we also need to address the great big elephant in the room, which is race relations. And, you know, that that's going to add a flavor into it that you're not going to get in a, a, you know, a happy go lucky series. Well, to begin with as WandaVision. Yeah. And I did like the handling where, uh, Sam didn't like to be called Black Falcon. Like in Black communities, they yeah. want to call him the Black Falcon. And I love the moment at the end. It's like, where it's, oh, is that the Black Falcon? And the guy says, no, that's Captain America. Because mm-hmm. I, it sends me the message like, why are you so worried about the color of your own skin? Be right. more than what your skin color is. Be more than what you look like. Be more than your genetics. Be something greater. And that's what Sam Wilson had to step up to do. And he's being something greater. And as he said, like, well, we're trying something different. Mm-hmm. And, hey, and uh, so th- that, that goes back to character. That goes back to character, and I uh, so ooh, I, I want to see what happens with him next because yeah, I had some problems with the writing, and, and this didn't quite flow together with some other villain. But I I still love Anthony Mackie. I, he is very charming, and he was awesome in this. Uh, and I really like his costume, and I like him as Captain America in the MCU. And so I want to see what they do with him. And I want him. I want a more another season of this because I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of story that they could go with. And I want to see him teamed up with Bucky some more. And I want to know how things go with his sister in the boat. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and and I'm certain that we've got a second season along the way. But before then, Marvel has announced another movie coming up in Phase Four. Captain America and the Winter Soldier. There you so go. It is on its way. So that maybe they'll wrap up some of these storylines that they set up here. Who knows? It could be. We'll yeah, I, I, I'm also just kind of hoping that Bat Rock isn't as expired as he looked. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, but we better wrap this up because this is a long show, but we had some fun. That it is. Had some fun things. To be able to say, discuss, and after all, it is a small world after all, but it's a very big podcast episode. <laughs> well, that's kind of what we do here. for your money this week. There you go, and you didn't have to pay a dime. But thank you for downloading. Make sure you share this with other people that uh, we're just getting together and having fun and reliving stuff we enjoyed as a child and recapturing that childlike fun that we had with things, you know, I mean, really, if, if I had been a kid and was getting this level of quality of Marvel movies, I would have gone out of my gourd uh, to be a kid at, with this level of stuff. 
So, oh, bitty. But anyways, but we better wrap this up. So we'll see you next time in Neverland. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Neverland to Disney and beyond. And of course, I want to remind you to keep a pixie in your pocket. What do I mean by that? Well, that is that young at heart, positive thoughts that you're going to keep in your pocket and share it with other people. Pull out that pixie dust and share it. Make sure, of course, that you check our show notes right there in whatever app you're listening to. There's a way to find the show notes. Now, I don't know what app you're listening to, so I can't tell you the specifics, but go and check it out. Also, visit our website, NeverlandPodcast.com. Make sure that you leave us a nice review on whatever you're listening to, be it Apple or Google or Stitcher or just about anywhere. Leave us a nice review, and we appreciate that. And Also, make sure you share the show with others because we like to bring other people into our community. And, of course... Make sure you visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash neverlandpodcast. We appreciate all of your help to keeping the magic alive here in Neverland. And, of course, if you're looking for a bit more fun, go search for us on YouTube, Neverland to Disney and Beyond. Until next week, like I said, keep a pixie in your pocket. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc